blood moon has risen, it is time to tell stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. A black cat brings us a true story. A vampire bat bites into a tall tail. An owl flies in a story from other worlds. Greetings. This is Blood Moon Podcast. I'm your Blood Moon host. For this episode, we are presenting three Black Cat stories. Black Cat stories are accounts of apparitions, hauntings, poltergeists, or things that go bump in the night. Listeners, if you have a story you want brought to life on a future episode, Please make your submission at bloodmoonpodcast.com. Now, turn up the sound and turn off the lights. The Black Cat has stories to tell. We begin with a bizarre account by Eileen J.V. The story will make you question who was on the other end of the phone call. In 1962, when I was a young girl and still living at home, I experienced a very odd occurrence. We lived in a very old house. The house was wired for only one telephone, which hung on a wall in the kitchen. This was the year my maternal grandfather had suffered several strokes and required a lot of care. Since my grandmother never learned to drive, my mother would drive to their home and take my grandmother shopping or help take care of grandpa. One Saturday morning, she went grocery shopping before she drove to their home. It was a rainy day, so I was left to take care of my two younger sisters and brother while she was gone. One sister and my brother were playing upstairs. The telephone was ringing, so I went to answer it. I said, Hello? And was stunned to listen to a conversation that was taking place between my grandmother and my younger brother. The same brother who was upstairs, with no wires to hook a telephone to. 
I remember clearly the conversation, although not word for word. I clearly heard my brother say, hello. Then my grandmother was asking him if my mother could come to the telephone. Hey Larry, how are you? What are you up to? Can you get your mother on the phone please? He told her she was shopping, but that Eileen, myself, was home. My grandmother asked my brother to call me to the telephone, and I could hear him calling. Eileen? Telephone. I was so shocked. I hung up the telephone. I went upstairs and told my brother, who was only nine years old at the time, what had just happened. I am sure he thought I was crazy, but cannot remember what he said. Then I went back downstairs and called my grandmother. She said, I tried to tell her what I had just experienced, but she did not understand. But then, neither did I. Often I wonder what would have happened had I not been so spooked and stayed on the line rather than hanging up. Would I have hurt myself as well? Keep in mind that this was in 1962, very rural area. Extension phones were a rarity. And we couldn't dial one for long distance. Everything was through the operator then. And party lines were the norm. Before we tell the next story, I ask you to help me keep the animal totems happy. Please subscribe, review, and tell your family and friends about Blood Moon Podcast. We also invite you to follow us on Instagram at the Blood Moon Podcast. Now, back to the stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. Welcome back. The next story is rather chilling, especially if you're a parent of a young child. PPF wrote about a night of chasing footsteps.
One night recently, my one-and-a-half-year-old son wouldn't go to bed, so my fiancé and I decided it would be easier for everyone if he slept with us in our bed. When I went to bed, it was just my son, my fiancé, and I. My lab was also in the room, but we had no guests or anyone else in the house. My doors are always locked at night. Around 2 a.m. or 3 a.m., I didn't check the time. I woke up to what sounded like running. Two clearly different sounding footsteps in my living room, down the hall, into my son's room. I jumped up because I thought my son woke up and was playing around in the house. I looked in the bed for him and couldn't find him. I was sure he was awake and up. Before I got to my bedroom door to go investigate the running, it sounded like it was on the roof, not inside my home. I was still convinced it was my ambitious mini-me running around, so I proceeded to go get him and put him back in bed. I opened the door and went through the house, but the running stopped when I came through my bedroom door into the hallway. I looked through every room, bathroom, and hallway. I couldn't find Alex. I was afraid he went out the back door. Panic-stricken, I rushed out the back door, calling his name. He wasn't there either. I ran back inside the house and to my room, my heart pounding the whole way. I burst into the door and turned on the lights, ripped the blankets off the bed. And there he was, fast asleep, next to his dad. Relieved, I turned off all the lights, relocked the doors, and went to my room to go back to sleep. Then it hit me. As I closed my bedroom door, I heard the running again, and it went over my head so I knew it was on the roof. I climbed back into bed and went to sleep. I'm used to being visited by the unexplained. I was just glad it wasn't Alex getting into trouble. Every time I try to tell anyone what happened that night, my words fall on deaf ears. I know my house isn't haunted, so I have no idea what it could have been. 
If a house is haunted, they let me know within minutes of me walking through the front door. It's kind of a cold, dizzy feeling. It's hard to explain. Like someone is watching you, or pressing up against your back when you walk. Now we recount a haunting that was investigated by Hans Holzer. It tells the story of the Keegan family's experience living in the evil house on Route 14. Investigator Hans Holzer once described Parker Keegan as a practical man. This was a suitable description. Parker was a truck driver transporting flammable and explosive products. The perilous job called for common sense. Parker's wife, Rebecca, was a freelance artist. And in late 1964, the Keegans had one child and were expecting another. It was time for the couple to search for a larger home. Rebecca's cousin Jane had found a house for rent located near Route 14 in upstate New York. There was one catch. Jane and her husband, Harry, wanted to share the home. The reason was that Jane did not like being alone during nights while her husband worked. The massive house was built during the mid-19th century. It consisted of a dining room, a kitchen, a laundry room, two staircases, three cellars, four bedrooms, as well as servants' quarters. While the Keegans toured the house, Rebecca entered the cellar below the dining room, and became very uneasy for an unknown reason. She quickly left the cellar and decided to brush off the scare. Despite this incident, the couple decided it was the perfect home, and so they moved in. Jane and Harry would reside in the servants' quarters. On the first night, exhausted from the move, the Keegans collapsed into bed and fell into a deep sleep. Rebecca woke up to strange sounds. She convinced herself that the sounds were caused by the old pipes inside the walls.
Rebecca and Jane developed the routine of staying up late to watch television while their husbands worked. Every night, the noises would return. One night, Rebecca was lying in bed, unable to sleep. Suddenly, thunderous footsteps were coming up the stairs. Rebecca began to panic. She knew it wasn't her husband, as she didn't hear the front door open. Thinking it was an intruder, she leapt out of bed and yelled for her cousin. Rebecca ran to the top of the stairs. Jane entered through a conjoining door and stood at the base of the staircase. They watched in terror as an invisible force bent each step as it advanced up the stairs. The experiences took their toll on Jane, causing her to abruptly leave the house as well as her husband. Soon Harry would also move out, leaving Rebecca alone in the house. With the servants' quarters now unoccupied, only the sound of crying filled the vacant room. Parker came home early one evening to find his wife in a state of hysteria. She claimed that cupboard doors would open and close rapidly. After learning about the latest barrage of phantom noises, he investigated the house and found that nothing had been disturbed. stairs when the noises returned. The sounds were coming from the dining room. He stood quietly at the dining room door. Then he swiftly threw it open. The commotion immediately ended. He squinted into the darkness and cautiously stepped into the room. It was abnormally frigid. Again, he found nothing unusual. After the Keegan's son was born, they bought a German Shepherd as a watchdog, and while the bills began to mount, Rebecca took a job. Her young sister, Mary, was hired to be their children's babysitter. In short time, the oppressive environment began to take hold of her, and she heard the phantom noises. On a moonless night, Mary was alarmed to find a figure peering into a window. She yelled to her sister that prowlers were lurking, 
Rebecca looked out the window, but did not see anyone. She insisted that Mary had seen a shadow. A force ripped a teacup from Mary's grasp and hurled it towards Parker. The young girl soon packed her belongings and left the haunted house for good. The activity would soon take aim at Rebecca's sister-in-law, Susan. On Christmas Eve, a feeling of dread permeated throughout the house as Rebecca and Susan watched television. Rebecca noticed someone was standing outside the living room window, just behind Susan. Susan! Go get the rifle! She turned around. Staring back was a sinister face grimacing with pure malevolence. She grabbed the rifle, aimed it at the window, and the vile face dematerialized. The pair ran outside, but found that no one was there. Susan would soon leave permanently, and once again, the Keegans were left alone. Later, another family would move into the house, and it wasn't long before tensions mounted between the two families. The strain was partially caused by the haunting, and a frightening event would soon put an end to their stay. A brilliant light form appeared in the Keegan's bedroom. When it passed a telephone, it began to ring. The anomaly floated out the door, down the stairs, past another telephone, causing it to ring, and then it vanished. The luminescent shape left a chill in the air, and both families were in a state of shock. Soon the Keegan family were abandoned in the house of evil. The blood moon is setting. Evil House on Route 14 was researched and written by Andrew Carey. Sources are in the show's notes. Phone call by Eileen JV and footsteps by PPF can be read at the nightskyii.org. Voiceovers by Jane Carey and Melissa Chabom. 
Music and sound effects by Blood Moon Podcast. Other sound effects are from quicksounds and freesound.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>